This is the Ag Queen Podcast. This podcast explores the agriculture industry with the movers and shakers of those shaping it. Here's your host, Lori Boyer. I am joined today by Susan Schultz. She is the president of the American Sheep Industry Association. We chatted not too long ago at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting meeting, but it wasn't very long and she was such a great interview, so full of passion, energy, and knowledge. I wanted more time with her. So thanks for agreeing to some time and joining me here today to talk more, Susan. My pleasure, Lori. Thanks for having me. All right. I'm going to start with the same question I started with last time. I think it always is good to learn the background of people and kind of sets our our perspective and what we're talking about. So tell me more about yourself and your sheep operation. Well, I'm um, located in Ohio and um, we're third generation sheep producers. I married a a sheep man and uh, met him in college. And um, actually, my family had a commercial sheep operation, but we were in the purebred uh, business for 25 years, raising registered Rambouillets. And now we're raising uh, Suffolk's uh, for more of the the range operations, um, Utah, Colorado, um, and um, using a lot of data in our selection. So we weigh our lambs two or three different times. we take ultrasounds, um, ultrascans. Uh, uh, we collect a tremendous amount of data. They turn it into estimated breeding values. And, and we think that's a really good selection tool for us. Okay. Well, thank you for that. And is there a lot of sheep in Ohio? I mean, how, what kind of industry is there for sheep <laughs> and, and for processing too? Well, not, not compared to Colorado, <laughs> but we have, we have a tremendous number of, of sheep producers, small flocks or medium flocks. Um, we do have some larger producers, but not, not to the extent like you have in Colorado, um, but we have a lot of producers. And so actually we're third um, behind Texas and Montana as far as membership in our national organization. So um we, we just have lots of people that raise sheep. And so it's fun. Our, our, our market, our hot market is, is the, what we call the non-traditional ethnic market. And that takes a smaller carcass than um, the traditional market is pretty much the difference. Is the ethnic market, do you think that is the number one market across the board for sheep consumption, for sheep use, I should say, not consumption, but use? That's a great question, Laurie. And I don't think we have the data on that. Um, do you know before COVID, um, the cruise ships and the white tablecloth restaurants really were wonderful consumers of lamb? Of course, that all shut down with COVID. But surprisingly, people started cooking at home, and um, they probably looked at the meat market and said, mm, "I've had chicken, I've had pork, I've had beef. Why don't I try lamb?" And so consumption of lamb in the United States is up. We're thrilled. We are absolutely thrilled because we thought it was going to just be a train wreck. And um, so, um, and again, you know, we use the term non-traditional, traditional. It's it's so much more than non-traditional because we have um, families that have heritages, heritage that have eaten lamb their whole, you know, for four or five generations. Um, But they they they're looking at a, a bit of a smaller product than than our traditional. 
You know, I didn't grow up eating a lot of lamb, to be honest with you. It was mainly beef and some chicken. But I'll tell you, I live in eastern Colorado. And, well, we do have a, a lamb processor right here. Maybe that's why. But the Chamber of Commerce in Brush, Colorado, serve lamb at their annual meeting. Our county fair has a lamb option. And I watch Chopped on the Food Network and almost every show, there's a basket that has some sort of lamb product. So it feels like there's a lot of popularity with it. It's unbelievable, Lori. And, and um, you know, you're, you're, you're right there at Brush and, 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 you know, we know the rural family very well. And, and um, but I'm telling you, people have really learned to appreciate it. The millennials, um, these young professionals that love to experiment with new, new recipes, they, they, the American Lamb Board, which is our sister organization, has done a phenomenal job of reaching out with recipes and, and, um, and giving people ideas how to use lamb. And I think it's going to stick. I think people like lamb once they've tried it. And I, I think the, I, I think our consumption is going to continue to go up. All right. Good news there. We're going to come back to that a little bit. Now let's talk a little bit more about the American Sheep Industry Association in general. Tell me more about this organization. What are what are the goals? You know, what is it for? Um, we're the membership organization, um, and our primary um, efforts are put into legislation. And we are the ones that advocate for the sheep industry on the state and national level. Um, and there is a host of things that we we work on from predators from uh, public lands. Right now, uh, we have some trade issues that are, are right in the forefront. Um, United Kingdom may be able to import, export lamb to us. We would import their lamb and it's not reciprocal. And so um, that's what we've been working the last two days on diligently, uh, working on trying to see if we can help with that issue. Um, in Colorado, you know, you had a, you had a huge issue with wolves. And um, we tried to help with that. Um, it never ends, but I'll tell you, the sheep people are some of the most resilient people I've ever been around. And they're going to figure out a way to raise sheep. And uh, we're just trying to help them. Well, sheep in general are pretty resilient animals, aren't they? Yes. So there you go. <laughs> I, I think they match each other. <laughs> they <Yes>. match. <laughs> now on the, the train, I know you mentioned tariffs, which is a little bit different than this question I'm going to ask you, but how does trade look in general with or without COVID? I mean, was it strong before COVID came along? What kinds of issues are you having now post-COVID besides the one you just mentioned? Well, let's go back to pre-COVID. Um, uh, we are only raising about 40 to 50% of the lamb that's consumed in the United States. Most of it comes from Australia and New Zealand. It's always an issue. Um, so we're always trying to increase the consistency of our product. We're trying to make sure that whatever we send out to the retailers is, is um, the best product that we can possibly make. Um, we were doing great with, with, as I said, cruise ships and white tablecloth. Of course, that all ended. Um, now it, we're in the same situation. Um, as far as we're only producing about 40 to 50%. So it's my feeling that, that our efforts in the United States, we need to be increasing our efficiencies, getting more people excited about raising sheep, um, increasing our flocks, and, um, and really taking these imports on. Um, and so that's, that's where we are. But 
now the new the, the new gig is that um, Mexico, there's word that Mexico may be able to bring in live animals. UK may be able to bring in meat um, and genetic products. And um, gosh, we need to have a fair playing field. Um, we need, if, if they can bring those products into the United States, surely we should be able to export. So that's what we're asking is just for people to take a little time, find out what effects that's going to have on our domestic market and, um, and our, on our people are really working hard on that issue right now. And it's, and, a, it's a real concern. And Susan, what is the issue with getting them exported? What is the other countries? Oh, I knew you would ask me that. There's a growth hormone that hormone that they used. You, Lori, you probably could help me with the name of it, but um, it was used way back. And then it was the European Union that cut off. And I think they cut off not only lamb, but beef um, too. And that has not opened up, even though the UK has separated from the EU. So it's it, it's a it's an issue that, of course, we need to address. We need to follow the science, absolutely. Um, but I think uh, I think we, it, that time has passed. We do not use those growth hormones hormones in the sheep industry, and so it's complicated yeah. that way. I know in a swine industry that hormone is called ractopamine. I don't know if that's the exact same Thank thing you. or not. Is it? Okay. It's, it's <laughs> in that family. It's in that family. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Lori. All right. And that's years ago. So um, it's been going, the European Union shut us down years ago. So um, yeah, yep, that's it. All right. Well, other livestock industries are working in that same realm too. So maybe You've something will move. You've heard it. <laughs> maybe <Lori>. something will move. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned getting more people interested in raising sheep. What are some of the ideas that the organization has to try to increase awareness, try to increase the attractiveness of wanting to purchase sheep and, and have their own flocks? I, I think it's I think the opportunities are out there. We we have extensive um, production systems, intensive production systems. Um, uh, of course, for young people, it's always capital, Lori, getting into any any phase of agriculture. Um, and there's a loan fund that 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 um, works with us very closely to help help people if they, you know, want some capital to, to get in. Um, our educational efforts have just through the years, we have what we call the Sheepman's Production Handbook that is like um, the gospel of raising sheep. And I would recommend that to any person that um, is interested in, in adding that to their agriculture enterprise. That's the first thing I do is buy the flash drive of that book, $15 or something. I mean, you could buy the great big heavy book, but buy the flash drive. <laughs> and, uh, um, and I mean, raising sheep is, is got its challenges. There's no doubt, but so does any kind of raising of livestock. Absolutely. I know you and I talked about this a little bit too. And again, not the only industry experiencing these types of issues, but where are we at on labor and, and making sure that there's a adequate workforce to help produce sheep and process sheep for that matter? Oh, Lori, um, spot on. Um, we, I don't know what agriculture is going to do if we don't get these labor issues figured out. We need workers. And um, there's got to be common sense immigration laws that can be enacted. I, I, I don't think it's that tough. Should you, Lori, you and I want to go to D.C. and fix this for the world. <laughs> but I mean, we need these workers. We, we employ a lot of H2A workers. 
and and um, it's a good program. It's a legal program, and and it needs to be expanded. And um, I, I I don't understand the anti-immigration um, uh, thought process because we absolutely in agriculture, whether it's sheep, dairy, um, you know, row crops, we need workers. So um, hopefully Congress will get together and figure something out for us, but we're fighting it all the time. California yeah. right is right now in a huge fight over their increases. And you've probably heard, heard that. Um, a little and, bit. And, what is going on with that? Um, they are, according to, it's something like a, an extra thousand dollars a month. Um, and it's will be enacted in January 1st. I can't give you the specifics because I won't get it right. But you ought to have somebody on your program from California that um, can can tell you that the um, the actual data. It's very scary for those folks. Um, those H-2A workers are part of their family. And what it's probably going to turn out to be is they're going to have to figure out how to use less workers um, okay. to be able to meet their bottom line. So uh, we're helping. Uh, ASI is helping with that issue. And um, I hope they resolve it. Uh, what it is, it, it entails that they, they need those people, they're going to be paid overtime for 24 hours of work. And, you know, those of us in agriculture understand 24 hours a day work. That's what happens during lambing season, you know? Right, right. Because typically agriculture is exempt from paying overtime. And I don't know why, Lori. I, I don't know what happened in California. Why that? Someone, yeah, exactly. All right. I'll work on that. Um, <laughs> Susan, what else would you like to mention here today? I mean, I know there's other issues we could talk about. Is there anything else you feel like we should talk about here today as far as issues or just other general information that folks would I find just, interesting? I just, you know, I, I'm so passionate about our industry because we're so diverse and I don't want to give up that diversity. I, you know, our small flocks, our large flocks, our pasture, our rangeland, um, we have people that house their sheep all year round and and lay them three times a year. Um, the diversity in our industry, we're not cookie cutter at all, which brings its challenges. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but um, so it, it's a it's really a good industry to become a part of because you don't have to do it, you know, the same way as everyone else. Um, we have lots of opportunities and we have tremendous markets. We have niche markets, people direct market lamb. Um, we have our traditional markets, our non-traditional markets. Uh, so there's tremendous opportunities. It's, it's a good industry and the people are the best. Yeah. You and I talk mainly about the meat side of it, but there's a lot more products that come from sheep, right? Oh, that wool. Oh my goodness. What a, what a phenomenal premier fiber that we have. And, and, and they've taken a real hit um, with the trade wars with China and it's starting to roll back now in a positive direction. And we just we just have to keep working at it to get those markets back. Um, but people, again, as I told you earlier, um, people have embraced lamb. They have also embraced wool, especially that layer close to your skin. Um, some of that ac athletic clothing that's out there is just it's a beautiful fabric. And um, um, it's, it's it's great. It's good. Because it's fire retardant, if I remember right. Absolutely. Talking and with Peter Orwick, a lot of military uses for it. Yes. And uniforms, yeah. 
Yep. Yeah. And the military was one of our biggest um, consumers of, of American wool. And we're very, very proud of that. Yeah. All right, Susan. Well, it's a pleasure to talk to you. We'll do it again. I know there's other things we could have talked about, but we'll save that for another day. I just thank you for your time and for your passion and all the hard work you're doing on behalf of not only the sheep industry, but of agriculture in general. Thank you, Lori. It's a pleasure to see you again. Have a great Christmas. You too. Once again, Susan Schultz, she is the president of the American Sheep Industry Association. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Ag Queen Podcast with your host, Lori Boyer.